0: This, this. 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 This is Mythical. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, I'm Rhett.
1: And I'm Link. This week at the Round Table of Dim Lighting, we're taking you back to summer's past. We are going to ask the question and discuss how do you survive a summer job by talking about
0: our own summer job experiences throughout the years. But we're not gonna be talking about it because we talked about it years ago and we're actually taking a short break, as we told you on the last episode, from weekly releases of new episodes and we're doing three throwback episodes this week, next week, and the week after that. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the first conversation, we're going all the way back to, this is uh, episode 30 of, of yeah. Ear Biscuits, so you may have missed this one. This is one of the ones that we threw in there well, uh, we w- yeah, in we between were doing interviews. Interviews
1: with YouTubers, like profile pieces, which is what Ear Biscuits was, but then we would just have some discussions that now is what, years later, Ear Biscuits has become. So I think you will be, if you haven't listened to it, um, it'll it'll be exactly what you've come to expect from Ear Biscuits now, and if you haven't listened to it, I think it's, it'd be good to, to go back and listen to it again because, hey, you're already here. Yeah, you don't even have to go back. Uh, Before we do, we just wanna say, hey, if you still want to come to Australia to see us, get on a plane, or if you're already in Australia, just get on another form of transportation and see us. Tickets are still available. Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane on July 27th, July 29th, and July 30th, respectively. And then, Tour Mythicality, is going to Ontario on November 8th, Atlantic City on November 9th, and November 10th, we're going to Connecticut, Foxwoods Resort Casino. So go uh, to tour
0: mythicality.com where you can buy those tickets. Uh, they are still available, however, they are moving quickly, so get them what a getting is good. And now, enjoy a good old episode of Ear
1: Biscuits. And a lot of summer jobs. Yes.
0: Welcome to Ear Biscuits. I'm Rhett, and
1: I'm Link. Thanks for joining us for this Ear Biscuit at the Round Table of Dim Lighting this week. Can you sense our guests here in our midst, silently waiting to be introduced? Yeah, um, I can. Well, because I'm one of them, I'm the other one. It's just us this week. It's a it's another digital respite from interviewing anyone besides ourselves. That's right. Your guests are us. Well, uh, I feel like Link. you can you can get away with this. Did that, did I seem apologetic? I'm you know no. I'm not apologizing to you, loyal listeners. I'm I'm just trying to be creative and telling you that this,
0: we're it. This you, is us again. But you can get away with this when when you, there's two of you. If you interview yourself as an individual then that seems pompous, Self, arrogant.
1: Self-absorbed, self-absorbed by
0: definition. Especially if you're asking the questions and then answering them. Uh, but, but we're not above trying that. I'm not no.
1: going to say it's it's not going to come to that, but not today, because today we're going to, we've got some of your questions, I think a few, um, and then it uh, we've structured this episode to be more of a reminiscing episode based on the fact that A milestone is approaching. It's that time of year again. Uh, The summer solstice. Summertime, the living's easy. You know,
0: the funny thing is, is a lot of times people, you know, you say things like, summer's here, because you've done something like, your school's out or whatever, and then there's somebody who's like, "It's technically not summer yet. The summer solstice is not until June 21st or whatever. That's what it is this year." And I and, and you know, I actually found myself looking that up a second ago to figure out, "Oh, when is summer?" You know, summer is when school gets out and traditionally, whether you're in school or not. Even if you're in year-round school, okay. This summer solstice thing is overrated. That happens halfway through summer vacation. And can I can I take a second just to say? Take any seconds, never, you want. Never
1: stop learning. Hmm. I mean, just because s- school gets out, or you're not in school anymore, or um, your brain is filled to capacity, never stop learning. You know, it it hurts my heart to hear you say that that you stopped learning. <laughs> Give um, me a break. Did somebody, did somebody tell you they stopped learning? That's what they were saying just now. The voices? Oh, the, vo- the voices in your head. You didn't hear them? No. Okay, so this is what we've decided to do. We are going to reminisce over our summer jobs, summer experiences when it relates to occupational job
0: history. Well, you know, uh, I got to say we have <clears throat> a great job now. wouldn't trade it for anything. Love what we do. Uh, but it's definitely you know, summer rolls around and what is, it? it's just more of the same. I mean, we just keep on trucking. Uh, we, we keep making YouTube videos. We keep doing ear biscuits. Uh, we don't have the on and off again schedule that you have, you know, before you become an adult. And it's just, there was just something about that schedule that you had. You you had all these markers besides just a birthday every single year to mark you're aging. I mean, sure, there were things happening with your body that may have embarrassed you a little bit. And your voice was changing and cracking and those kinds of things. There was all kinds of uh, physical signs that you were changing. But (laughs) you had like a new grade, right? You're like, oh, I'm in ninth grade now. I'm in high school. New experience. And then in between each year, you had summer vacation. And then at some point, somebody made the decision that, oh, you just can't be a kid anymore. You got to go get a job. You've got to Make some money. Now, f- luckily for me, it wasn't like I was out, I was being sent out to make money for the family. I know a lot of people legitimately, you turn like 12 and they're like, you got to bring home the bacon, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. it, for me, it was just, you've got to save up for a Nintendo game personally. It was a very selfish pursuit when I first decided I'm going to do this summer or, job or thing. Or
1: pay for the gas for your car type of a
0: scenario. Yeah, but I mean, I, I my I first that. job was pre-driving uh driving, though. So um, it was. Oh yeah, and I, I'm almost sure yours was. Well, if you're talking about mowing
1: lawns, yeah, that was my first job, which was a summer job. But it kind of it, you know, it went into the spring it went into the fall. So I don't, I don't call that technically a summer job. But I was definitely an entre- had an entrepreneurial streak there, and it and it moved at about the pace of a snapper ride riding lawnmower.
0: Well, that's convenient because Army Boy Fifty Two asked on Twitter, "Is lawnmowing a good job?" For a first job, when absolutely. young, absolutely, Link, absolutely.
1: I mean, there's inherent uh, hazards. I mean, there's a moving blade for yeah. heaven's sakes. So y- you shouldn't be too young. You got to know which side of the lawnmower to sit on, not the bottom side. So you got to you got to <laughs> be a certain age. And uh, so, yeah, my my papa Lincoln, he got he got me lawns around his neighborhood. To mow, he ne- and he negotiated the price and everything for me. I got me. you some lawns. But I, I took his snapper lawnmower, rode it across the street, and I would cut Miss Alice's lawn, and then I would cut. What are we talking about, how much pour- for a lawn? Uh, $15. That was
0: pretty good back in those yeah, days. Yeah,
1: yeah, like I said, I mean when the chief of police negotiates your lawn mowing rate. It was charitable, he, I'm sure, though. You were, he's sh- packing
0: heat. Surely you weren't doing that good of a
1: job. I was I was I was immaculate at this thing, man. The, the lawns were immaculate. I was immaculate. Everything was
0: well, immaculate. I mean, I remember when my dad just tried to pass off mowing our lawn to me and my brother. You know, and my brother's older, so he he was the first one to take over the job from my dad. But I remember my dad out there with me with a push mower. We didn't have a riding lawnmower. We had a push mower, and he, well, was, he had a small lawn. He was trying to show me how to figure out where to mow next. He's like, "Okay, now see, I mowed right here." and now I'm going to mow the next strip. And, and I couldn't see the strip. I couldn't see where the grass had been mowed. He got so mad at me. He says, you can't see where the grass has been mowed? <laughs> You know, and it's just like I think about how frustrated he was with me, and then and it help, it helps me these days as I relate to my kids because I think we just can't see kids they just don't see things like where the grass has been mowed, even though it seems so obvious to us. Is
1: but, that why you were held back a grade because you couldn't <laughs> see where the grass? I don't recall really
0: had... being. I was held back for height, actually. No, I was put forth. I skipped a grade because of height, not because of academic performance.
1: Okay, so the lies cancel themselves out. Yeah, right. You neither. Went back or forwards in grades, but yeah, I mean, I would, I my business expanded quickly. I had to drive. This is before I had my driver's license. I drove that lawnmower across Main Street, Lillington, to get to lawns on the other side of town. Like, I, I, remember, would, I remember seeing you from time to time. Most people would load the lawnmower up on the back of a truck and drive it to the places. Nah, I mean. The lawnmower is a form of transportation. It's I'm very just going to take it. So I'm I'm going across like a intersection. It, it, yeah, a big. Inter, I was at a stoplight on a lawnmower and and you're every like
0: week. Twelve years old. Well, yeah. I mean, this is it's Lillington, North Carolina. Though it's not the rules are different, <laughs> at least at the time. And like I said, the chief of police negotiated
1: all of these he deals for me. He didn't give you a police escort, did he? No, he didn't. Uh, but I did have
0: a siren <clears> on the on the lawnmower. I did not. Uh, My first job, I didn't get paid to mow the lawn for my my family. I just did that on my own. But my first paid job was for Hartman & Hartman Chemical Company. Remember Hartman & Hartman? Yeah. H&H. Jerry Hartman. Jerry Hartman's company. Yeah, in uh, outside of Buies Creek, North Carolina, it was a clandestine operation.
1: Like he had a big warehouse behind well, his house, right? And I, it, it, you no, didn't... it wasn't behind his house. It and was, a helipad.
0: And... It was on the way to Benson. It was past Coates uh, on twenty seven on the way to Benson, <clears throat> and he just had a, a a big warehouse. And it was H and H. It was him and his brother, but I never saw his brother. It was just him and 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 some other dude, and then who wasn't his brother, and then me. For a few weeks. Uh, this job didn't last long. It was just like an introduction to what a job could be. My mom dropped me off there because I think I was 14. But what what did you do? Well, H&H Products was, and maybe to this day, uh, was known for their air fresheners. And uh, when I say air fresheners, I mean like a bottle with a little, with, with some, air freshener liquid in it and then a, a rope wick. You know those old school type air fresheners that you find in like the shelf of a elementary school in like 1978? Yeah, and it's like all hardened and you're like, what is this? Yeah, all it is is there's some perfume inside of a bottle, like a little, almost like a medicine bottle, a little brown bottle, and then there's this rope wick that goes into the thing through some paper.
1: And, the, and, the, and then the liquid goes up the wick, and it then it permeates, permeates, it into, permeate, permeates into the it air. It permeates
0: into the air. Did you, did you mix the liquids, too? No, no. I had no contact with the liquids. I was a wick man. <laughs> <laughs> I was the wick man. I had to cut the rope and fold it and stick it into these uh, paper tops. And then pour the liquid in there. No, no. I, I was too young. I didn't get the liquid. Uh, no, no. Rhett doesn't get to touch the liquid. Rhett's the, a, he's a wick man. He gets to touch the rope and the paper.
1: And you do this like eight hours
0: a day? You're twisting wicks? I, <laughs> cutting wicks? It's, there's not even a twist. It's just a, it's a cut and a fold. Oh, hey, to this day, I am really good at cutting equal size pieces of rope. If you ever need that, if there's a need around here, you know, give me 14... Two inch long pieces of rope. I'll be back in ninety seconds, and I'll have them, and they'll all be the same same length. And the, but they won't smell good because I was a wick man. Because you can't touch the liquids. I but I I it, this was the kind of job that uh, I lost heart really quickly early on every day. And uh, I was that a pun because it was Hartman and Hartman. <laughs> I would uh, I I'd I'd do a few, and then Jerry would come back there, and I and he'd catch me just sort of daydreaming. I mean, lots of daydreams. like staring at the wall. Oh yeah, I was a daydreamer, buddy. And when you when you give a fourteen year old the wick man job, I mean, you, you can't, can't expect. expect too much, right? So uh, he would come back there and yell at you. He'd be like, "Ah, Retta, cut some wicks, brother. How you, you've only you know you've only done seventeen, huh? Well, just you know, we're gonna need we're gonna need a couple hundred more today. So did he fire you? Is that what I'm hearing? No, it, it was it was a temporary position. I think I was actually raising money for like a trip or something. Like when we went to Trinidad or something. Uh, it, oh, it, really? It could have been. It could have been related. So the to money kind of went to charity. Uh, well, I mean, I that's used it bigger. for like a trip, you know. So I mean, okay, yeah, I had a good time. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that, that was that's the first actual work I ever did from money.
1: Now you talk about staring at the wall. One of my first jobs, I became known as the kid with the brain farts that hmm. we didn't call it spacing out my I worked for my uncle actually my my dad's side of the family for one summer um well they always were farmers and then one summer my dad worked with them and that meant that I also worked with them at farming tobacco okay that's a real job now i'm talking and we call it barning tobacco because the process is uh there's people who pick the bottom the, the at appropriate times, you you end up picking all the leaves off the tobacco stalks, but you do it over time when they're ready. You start at the bottom, the bigger ones. Blah 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 blah. Well, blah. I think
0: it's important to set the stage for people where we grew up, North Carolina, in, in rural North Carolina. Tobacco uh, is the cash crop, but and it's and it's everywhere. I mean, on our way from from my house driving to high school, you know, it was like a ten mile trip, mm-hmm. and you would pass twenty large fields with nothing but tobacco in them. Nothing but tobacco. Now, that's not the case. Since going back home, they've been replaced with soybeans and other things, but that was the deal. That was North Carolina, so there were tobacco fields everywhere. Right, and I would I would drive over there but at
1: the crack of dawn, be like 5.30 in the morning because it got really hot, and you couldn't work in the, in the heat of the day in these tobacco fields, but there would be a group of people that would pick the tobacco leaves, throw them on a trailer. They'd bring the trailer around to the barn, and then I would be at the barn. My uncle would be supervising. My cousin would be there, Ashley. Jonathan, my uh, half-brother, he was there. It was like a family affair. And then a bunch of employees, too, would be at the barn. And you would grab big pieces of, big groups of these tobacco leaves, and you'd stack them in this apparatus that would, like a rack, a metal rack, put them rack together, and then pick this very heavy rack up. I would say the you had to pick up the rack with like a a crane-type apparatus, like a small electric-operated crane. I would, I'd say it weighed 500 pounds, one of these things. Pretty dangerous. And you're how old? Um, well, I was 16 because I would drive. Okay. I would drive there. Um, and we would put the, you know, you'd put the tobacco in the racks, and then you'd pick up the rack with the thing, and two people would feed it onto the shelf, and then, we would, then you would slide the rack, psh! push it all the way to the back of the barn, which is basically a metal box that had a fan at the back and it would slowly cook the tobacco over time. It would cure the tobacco. Yeah. So, so you loaded all the tobacco into it's this It's like making oven, beef jerky, but it's basically. tobacco. Yeah, you would cure it, it, would, it goes in green, it comes out brown and cured. Ready for so, cigarettes. So then you can put it in some cigs. But it was just so repetitive. And you would be waiting around for your particular place. Okay, you, once this is stacked, I'm going to help you pick this up. So you have certain points in the process where you would engage. And then the rest of the time, my brain would disengage. So I had these extended brain farts. There would be no smell, but it would be this is look on my face of total stupidity that my Uncle Johnny just... I said, oh, he's having a brain fart again, and I would wake up, and everyone would be laughing, and then I would pick up the thing and move it because it was just so
0: mindless. What were you thinking about those days?
1: I mean, I don't remember, but anything but barning tobacco. I mean, anything to get out of there mentally. And you didn't...
0: I mean, what did you think of when you stared at the wall in the wick factory? Oh, all kinds of things, man. Ideas. I was thinking about that... uh, screenplay that we were trying to write, Gutless Wonders, you were probably thinking about the same thing. You just don't remember. And Girlfriends, potentially. You're thinking about Anna? Yeah. It might've been a Sarah John phase. Oh, thinking about Sarah John, huh? Yeah. Really? At that point. Picking, picking tobacco and thinking about Sarah John.
1: But it was just a mindless type thing that... I I became known as Mr. Brain Fart, but and, I, and then one day I got tobacco poisoning. If if the tobacco's wet and it and it comes into contact with your skin skin for a prolonged period, the nicotine and I don't know what else from the tobacco starts to soak in through your you know your skin, and I was I felt
0: deathly sick for about a week. I couldn't get out of bed. You're kidding. No. How, how come I don't remember this? Tobacco sickness. So it's basically like if you had, if you had just smoked a bunch of cigarettes yeah. uh, having never smoked it. It's like my before. body smoked six packs a day. You, you you smoked cigarettes the way a frog would smoke cigarettes. Right. Like through the skin. Right. It was vomiting. Well, that's how frogs do tobacco. They just horrible. get up next to a tobacco leaf. They do tobacco. <laughs> so that but, I mean that was a that was a tough job. But I think it's, you know you know, you got to take part in like a cultural moment in history. Yeah, it is pretty cool to think. You know, in, in which tobacco was being grown as a huge cash crop in North Carolina, being made into cigarettes that everyone around us was smoking. Well, mm-hmm. th- th- by that point, people had, a lot of people had stopped smoking He's by the falling time. out of vogue a little bit. Uh, and And they were beginning to send a lot of it over to China where everybody was smoking in China. That's what a lot of the farmers were doing. But it's just interesting that, We're talking 1994. It just sounds archaic. It's like, yeah, I I, I worked in tobacco fields.
1: I'll never forget. I mean, you had to invent things to do in order to occupy yourself. And so whenever we would take a break, my cousin Keith, who was a lot older, big guy, big beard, big belly, big everything. uh, He only wore shorts and like Teva sandals. Those are great for picking tobacco. And he made fun of me for being a soccer player.
0: Oh, yeah. You're a dork. You, and you he wear was Umbros.
1: He was a football player, like big, like linebacker type dude. He always make fun of me. He didn't call me brain fart.
0: He just called me soccer player. <laughs> and one soccer day he player? was like, It wasn't more creative. He didn't call you soccer boy or anything. <laughs> Not that I recall. You're a soccer player.
1: But he was like, And one day he was like, Man, uh, you think you need endurance and speed to run to soccer? <laughs> Man, me being a linebacker, I bet you right now I could beat you in a sprint to daddy's house. Uncle Ross, his dad. Is Keith still around somewhere? He's he's living, but I I he's he's fine. He's not an ear biscuits listener. I, he's I, not. I don't think. And I and I'm I'm not the com- competitive type, but I'm like okay. And he, and so we go we go out to the dirt road in front of the barn that where we're barning tobacco. And he and he <laughs> scrapes his scrapes his foot and draws a line, start yeah. line. He's like, all right. And he said he tells my cousin Ashley, he's like, Ashley, I want you to count down from three, and then we're gonna go and. I'm gonna show him what's what. And he's got on Tevas. What do you have on? Like sambas, tennis shoes, and a and shorts. I mean, it was it's it's, it's 110 degrees, and uh, I'm kind of nervous because, like I said, I don't like to compete. And like I was literally, if it wasn't so hot, I, I would have started sweating my armpits. So I, I was getting nervous. I was like, man, I guess I'm gonna try. And she's like three. Two, one, and boom! I just take off like boom! I'm just giving it all I got, and <laughs> and I'm like I'm like uh, Usain Bolt, Bo, leaving the line, and but um, after about five, Park, Carl Lewis would have
0: probably been the right, okay. right reference at the time.
1: Five, five steps. I'm like going full speed, and I just happen to look over my shoulder, and and as I look over there, Keith is taking his first step, and his he's buried his tiva in the sand and fallen flat on his face, like first step.
0: (laughs) Oh gosh! And he's the one who issued the challenge. Yeah, I
1: I I just stopped. I mean, how do
0: you could recover from that? uh,
1: Mercy, it's like that. MMA fight that's going viral now where the guy was beating him so bad that he just tapped himself out out of out of uh pity for the guy there's a video going around I, know, I, I mean that's that. what well that's what happens but anyway it, you know you had to do things to invent ways to unbrain fart yourself did he ever did he ever didn't say a word talk about it didn't say a word he never challenged you again either didn't say a word when he got up there was no conversation we just went back to <laughs> <away.
0: laughs> that's <laughs> I mean, he was still Whoa. a huge guy. I wasn't gonna make fun of him. Oh, yeah, he was like, he ain't gonna say nothing to me about falling down. I don't care about any soccer boy, soccer player over there. Um, you you worked one summer... I had a pretty epic job. I did. I, I, I had a couple of epic, uh, you know, heat of the South jobs. Pray uh, tell. But first, we wanted to let you know that Ear Biscuits is supported by Oatly, Oatly is a vegan, plant-based oat milk originally from Sweden that is now available for the first time in the United States. Now, I absolutely love this stuff. Link, though, has an almost romantic relationship with Oatly and Link, why don't you tell him about that? Oh, he can't because he's not here when I'm recording this ad. It's Rhett by myself. But I can tell you right now that if Link were here, he would be telling you just how amazing and life-changing Oatly oat milk has been for him. But I don't think we should get ahead of ourselves here because I mean, Oatly's just a small oat milk company from Sweden, they've been around for 25 years making simple, boring oat milk. Yes, it's really good, it's super sustainable and Oatly actually invented oat milk. But guys, let's be realistic here. It's still just oat milk. And if a milk alternative made from oats is something that you'd consider, you should give Oatly a shot. And now if you're not into the concept of oat milk, it's going to taste exactly like boring oat milk. But if you are into the concept of oat milk, if you really give yourself over to it, it's gonna taste like really, really great oat milk. I can tell you that because I gave myself over to Oatly oat milk and I'm not going back. Also, Oatly has a website. It's oatly.com, O-A-T-L-Y.com. Look for Oatly at your local supermarket or your favorite coffee shop. And next time Link is here, he'll gush about it. Ear Biscuits is also supported by Mattress Firm. Are you struggling to sleep? Many of you have told us that our voices soothe you and sometimes make you go to sleep. But maybe, and, and I'm gonna get even more soothing than I normally do. And if my voice is not putting you to sleep right now, you may have a problem with your mattress. The fine people at Mattress Firm want to help you. Mattress Firm is here for you when you're looking for ways to improve your sleep beyond listening to soothing voices on podcasts. And they're not just mattress experts. They can help you build your bed from headboards to adjustable bases to sheets. They even have bedroom decor. They've got you covered literally and figuratively. Plus, if you go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast, you can save 10% with the code podcast10. Mattress Firm also offers a 120 night sleep trial, so you can rest assured that you'll love your mattress or your money back. And they offer a 120 night low price guarantee, so you know you paid the perfect price. They have more than 3,000 stores nationwide, so you're probably within walking distance of one right now, depending on how much you like walking. It also means they have the ability to offer you deals that nobody else can, and that's on top of the 10% savings you'll already cash in on. So go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast and start sleeping better tonight. Now on with the biscuit. The summer after my sophomore year in high school, I started working for Trent's dad, Frankie Hamilton, construction. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, Frankie, was a man who owned a lot of properties and was building a lot of homes. He, he had a construction business, and then he had a lot of rental properties. He's sort of a, you know, a bigwig in the Lillington area. And uh, of course, we were good friends with his son Trent, one of our best friends. Uh, did all kinds of stuff with Trent. Well, Trent was cool because he had everything. Oh yeah. I mean, Frankie being
1: so well off as a as a home builder. Trent was, like, the first guy with, like, the souped-up computer with the internet. Chat rooms. He was the only guy with this thing called the internet.
0: Right. And his own, like, widescreen TV in his room and his own bathroom in his own bedroom. Well, and I remember him saying, you know, I'm going to be working for my dad this summer, and I was thinking, this seems like a good deal. You got, you know, Trent working for his dad. You know he's not going to make him do that much. I'm in on this. He's probably going to pay us great because he's got all this money so yeah, i'm I'm in on that, and then um I show up my first day, and uh i'm I'm ready, you know I, we're gonna we're gonna build things, we're gonna change the world and uh or I, do nothing and get paid you No, know, i say so so what what what's my job? And they say, uh you're going to be the guy who goes to our homes that we've just finished building, and you're gonna clean out the crawl space." So let me just paint a picture here. Like literally the space that you have to crawl in under a house.
1: Yes. Hence crawl space.
0: Yeah, so in North Carolina, very few people have basements, and I don't know what it's like where you come from, but in North Carolina, and most of the South, you have the foundation of your house, and you've got this two to four foot area underneath the house, right? Now, as the house is being built, the construction workers usually just throw whatever it is that they have on their person when they finish their meal from McDonald's or they finish their Pepsi bottle with a bunch of chal juice in it, that's tobacco juice. They just throw it into the foundation because they know that some dill weed named Rhett (laughs) is going to be personally responsible for picking up every single piece of trash and then putting plastic down. Underneath the whole house,
1: it's a so the the foundation is just a convenient trash receptacle. I mean they
0: they wouldn't like micturate in there or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I smelled urine from time to time. I did, Um, but I got to tell you, if I was already six foot five at the time, so I you know I'm a little over six six now, six six and a half. Um, I was already six five by the time I was sixteen years old. This is a large person to be going up under houses, and and they were like, you got to watch for snakes under there because the snakes, the black snakes and the copperheads will get up under there, you know. Never saw a snake, but spent the summer squeezing around in this cave-like place underneath houses totally dirty at the end of the day. It was one of those days where every single day I came home, I had those dirt boogers. You know what I'm saying? You've du- Yeah, dust boogers. You just been next to this dirt all day. I would get all this nasty trash, all the stuff that the construction workers had just thrown into the foundation. I would package it, package it up and put it into the convenient dumpster that was still on the site that they could have been using the whole time, but they didn't. Oh, And oh, nice. then I would roll out the plastic, the, well, the where vapor was Trent? barrier. That summer, Trent was... Off, um, doing stuff on the rental properties. So that summer we didn't spend a lot of time together. Okay, that was uh, that was a difficult that that was a difficult job. But the next summer rolls around and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back and work for Frankie. I, I I don't remember all the details, but I know, know that I had worked it out with Trent that I wasn't going to do that same job. And and Trent said, no, you know what we're doing this summer? Me and you and Mister Fred are building a house. I'm like, what? He says, yeah, me and you, two 17-year-olds, and Mr. Fred, a 65-year-old man, are building, the three of us are framing a home. He was like, yeah, okay, so out there in Lillington, there was- above your pay grade. Oh, you think? I I had barely swung a hammer. (laughs) And so, I'm not, it almost seems like I'm making this up, but I'm not making it up. So we show up and there's a foundation and this is a, like a ranch style home, uh, two bedroom, smaller home. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of about like the, the size of the house that you grew up in, in, in Bowie's Creek over there. So like, you know, that two bedroom, si- carport That's That situation. size home. And uh, he says, okay, here's, I've got the blueprints. So this is how, I, I don't know how home building works now, but the way it worked, you never even built with Legos as a kid. No, uh, well, I, I did a little bit of Tinker Lego. Toys. Yeah, that kind of thing. Mister Fred says, "All right, here are the blueprints. There's the wood. Let's go." And we look at the blueprints and we start building the walls. He's like, "Here's how you build a wall. You take, you put a uh, two by four on the ground, and then you nail it together, and then you do this, and you do this, and and all right, now let's lift it up." Hmm. And now I'm gonna. Nail it into the foundation. And uh, the whole summer, we just, every day, we just showed up at this site. And at what point did it all fall in on itself? Well, there was one moment where we got to a place where the blueprints became uh, became a factor. When we got to a closet, and uh, I was like... Walk-in closet became a broom closet? <laughs> I was like... Uh, I don't know what we did wrong, but this closet is about 12 inches deep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> really, it you was know, a proof closet. Yeah.
0: yeah. They're, they're, a decorative door. One of the bedrooms ended up with a very shallow closet. And I, you know, I think that's just par for the course. Something had to give, it, and literally the closet gave. At one point, <laughs> we got to the end of the room and we had put it all together. And it's like, after that, you're like, well, I guess it's just gonna be, they're gonna have to have some, they're gonna put the shirts sideways, hang the p- shirts sideways. <laughs> Uh, six of them, and uh, I don't know if Mr. Fred ever went back and kind of made up for that. But yeah, we we it was it was on the way to to Western Hornet uh, on the road that your uh, your mom lives on now. Twenty seven. Okay, so you mm-hmm. th- so you this house is still there. Oh yeah, I the house is someone is someone is using the closet right now. <laughs> you know, someone's uh, cursing that closet every day, and uh, it's it's out there, and it was on a uh, it was a foundation out on some land that someone had. And there was a only thing I remember is there was a fig tree, and we would eat the figs off of this fig tree. Huh. So, if you live between uh, Lillington, North Carolina, and Western Harnett High School on 27, and there's a fig tree in your backyard, and you have a one foot deep closet in one of the bedrooms in your home, I built that house. Uh, me me you, and an old man. Rep built a, your house, and he'd like to come hang out
1: <laughs> this Christmas when he comes back home. Okay, uh, we underscore AL457 asks, did you or Rhett ever get fired from a summer job? Um, No, but I came pretty close. And this job that I had is gonna sound like potentially a really fun, maybe one of the best summer jobs. I'd like to have that job, but I'll tell you right now, it turned out to be one of the most difficult, I'll, I'll just say it, worst jobs I've ever had. And I worked in tobacco. For a summer uh, in college, I spent one summer in Santa Cruz, California, and I worked at the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk as an amusement park ride operator. Um, there were different sections to the park, and I got assigned to a section that had some kiddie rides, and then uh, it but it had a couple of those spinny rides, and of course you had cups. It was kind of like teacups, but they couldn't say that because, well... Teacups are patented. Walt Disney would, like, uh, you know, <laughs> run them out of business or something. So every day you would come in and you, would, I, the supervisor would assign me to my ride. Are you going to be on the ladybugs with the four-year-olds? Are you going to be on the imitation teacup spinny things? Kind of like a spider spinny thing to it. Um, one memorable day, I was assigned to this spin ride, and... The way that it works is you have to put your foot on a a foot pedal in order to prove to the ride that there's an operator there. And at that point, you can press the go button mm-hmm. and the stop button. Safety mechanism. Right. They just don't want someone to press go and then walk away. So you got to stay on that. But the, the way that you would stop it, there, actually, there wasn't a stop button. You would take your foot off of the thing, mm-hmm. and then you take your foot off the pedal, and it would it would take a while for it to come to rest because everything was spinning so fast. And so there was an art to stopping the thing subject to people looking like they were getting sick. So there's not a predetermined length of ride. There is a predetermined length of ride, but people are prone to get sick because they're so dizzy. And then you have to try to... Make the ride as long as possible. But cut it short, maybe. Cut it short if somebody's going to vomit. So that that was interesting. There was a challenge involved in that because people- And they, they
0: told you this on the like the orientation?
1: No, no I, I learned this myself. Oh, really? I learned it the hard way. People vomited on my ride. And then you realize, I'm going to start looking at these people's faces whenever they- shoo, shoo, shoo come Around and when the face it turns blue and the cheeks are getting big, I better learn to anticipate that to take my foot off of the pedal it, with enough time for it to stop
0: comp- and, and so they can get off and vomit in the bushes. Now, did were you, when someone vomited on the ride, are you personally responsible for cleaning it up or is there like a dude, the vomit man? Nope, it was me. And they had a sawdust repository, they
1: had, had a rolled up garden hose. So this dude is vomiting, oh, I can't man. stop the ride. People start vomiting. You take your foot off the pedal, and it's still spinning.
0: Oh, gosh. And then when he gets on somebody else, they vomit. No, oh, In the movies, at least.
1: This particular No, this particular time, just that one guy. I think a, the girl, when it stopped, she got off, ran, and vomited in the bushes. But, you know, I have to say, okay. I turn to everyone waiting in line. I'm like, I'm sorry. This ride is now closed. I put up the sign. All the people in the line go away. I don't want to get on the ride anyway at this point. And then I have to get the garden hose and just start hosing down everything. Hmm. Hosing the the vomit off of everything. Oh gosh. And it just so happened that there was a a hot dog stand right next door to my ride, which is stupid. They should put that on the other side. Not only because people will eat and then get sick, but because the it turns out that the diameter of the hot dog is slightly larger than the diameter of the drain holes in the bottom of the teacups. Mm. Mm. Meaning I had to garden hose everything out, and then I I was left with just nice bite-sized chunks of hot dogs. That's somebody who's swallowing
0: a hot dog pretty quickly. I mean... That's how you eat a hot dog. You just bite it, bite it, bite it, swallow, swallow, swallow. I I do, I do. That's what he did. But I'm well-trained. I mean, I I can eat hot dogs really quickly. I mean, I was spraying
1: the... The the water pressure, like I was really trying to get it to go down in that drainage hole and I couldn't get them to go through there. I had to scoop them out. Rubber glove? I don't recall that. I don't think we had rubber gloves. Did you have a special I'm shirt on? I'm pretty sure I had a rubber glove. I had on like a tropical themed shirt. Oh, wow. Scooping out with a glove, I'll say. I just, I have to have thought I had a glove. I have to think I had a glove. Scooping out hot dog remnants. Now that's bad. And then the next day, you get assigned to the little ladybugs, and four year olds are peeing, and you got to use Windex and clean that out. Oh, this is not a fun job. So, and then you're not talking to anybody. People don't want to talk to you. They just want to get on the rides, and so it's kind of this about miserable the cute existence. Girls? I mean,
0: there's cute girls at th- theme parks. There was that's there when you got it. You got to perk up a little bit.
1: I just, I was, I, I guess, I was in brain fart mode, but I would. I was miserable. I hated it. I would just stare off into the distance. And one day my supervisor comes up to me and, uh, she's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah. She was like, no, what? You seem like something's wrong, right? Have you received really bad news? Is something going on personally that you don't want to tell me about? I'm like, no, no, no. And I didn't want to tell her that I absolutely hate my job. And she was like, well, it just seems to me that you absolutely hate your job. Uh, why don't you just go home? And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, why don't you just go home? And I was like, well, I live in North Carolina. She's like, I mean, just no for the day. <laughs> so like I left and went back to where I was staying. And I, it was like a, it was a walk of shame. I was kicked off of my ride and I had to, I, I came to work the next day and I was like, I'll have a bad attitude. I apologized and everything. But that was absolutely embarrassing. Like I had to, my friends, somebody they were like, why are you, why are you off work? I was like,
0: Got a bad attitude. I had a bad
1: attitude. I got kicked off of my ride. Soccer boy had a bad attitude today. <laughs> uh,
0: di- but did your attitude really improve? It seems for, to me like the kind of, of thing that you would have yeah, just, just brushed off and just gone right back to it.
1: For a couple of days, I ha- you know, I really tried. I really <laughs> tried. But I mean, you you know, a couple more days of pee, a couple more days of
0: vomit. I mean, it just wasn't for me. Well, it you know, the people... You want somebody who's, you're having a good time, you know. Uh, Everyone else is having a good time. That's the point. You're so close to people having a good time. But that's the art. That's the art of being in the amusement business. Uh, You know, when I went to Disney World recently, there was a guy who was orienting everybody to one of the things. It was like the Haunted Mansion or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I know that he was saying exactly the same thing that he's been saying all day. But. It was fresh? He seemed so into it. And I was like, you know what? That guy made me feel like he just said this just to us in this group. That's the kind of person you want to run into, not soccer boy.
1: Yeah. I, I it's you know, it's one of my biggest regrets in life. <laughs> I mean it's perspective. Well, you know what? You it's could perspective.
0: Be, you could be operating a, a big time roller coaster at Disney World now if you had to just follow through. Yeah. <laughs> I blew it.
1: <laughs> but it's perspective, you know. I, I didn't have I didn't have perspective. Because and it seems like the coolest job I could have had. I mean, I could tell you about some of the
0: other ones. But, but I, I think that that is um, assuming that we are not going to have summer jobs anymore. I mean, maybe after retirement there'll be like a I'm going to go be back. Like Fred. I'm going to go back to H and H, and I'm going to be like, Hey, Wickman's back. Wickman's <laughs> back to end strong. Maybe there'll be something like that. But assuming that we're not going to have summer jobs again, maybe many of you who are out there listening, maybe you're about to start. Your summer job. I think the thing is, is that it's what you make it. There's a ninety nine point nine percent chance that the job that you're about to go do this summer will have absolutely nothing to do with the job that you're going to do in your life. You know, mm-hmm. your career, and it's going to be the subject of stories, maybe a podcast that you that you have years from now. And uh, do you have more? Oh yeah, give I, me another one. Yeah. Um, well, I, my my point was. Well, you want me to say say the point to the end. I thought that was the point. Sure, save the point to okay, the end. Okay. Let's just say like a teaser. teaser. Um, well, I was going to say real quickly. Wait, we'll come back because there's another job that you had that you forgot about. Uh, okay, that I, that we'll come back to. But I'd say uh, my first job, where I was in corporate America, so to speak, um, even though it wasn't really corporate, it was a government job. Was working for the Department of Transportation. Oh yeah. So every summer. Uh, while I was in school at NC State University, my summer job was to work at the DOT. Uh, so the Department of Transportation, you know, it's a, it's a big government organization in uh, the, every state. And in North Carolina, there were a number of divisions, but I was in the pavement management division. It's, it's exciting as it sounds. Just really. by
1: virtue of being a civil engineering major.
0: Well, uh Actually, what ended up happening is my dad ran into the guy who was the head of this division at some golfing event or something, and uh, he was like, oh, yeah, my son's majoring in civil engineering. He was like, well, tell him to tell him to apply for a job up with us in our department. We, we we'll have, Make uh,
1: his dreams come true. We have a
0: number of uh, students uh, from uh, NC State University that come in and help us out every summer in the pavement management unit. Pavement management. So what does that mean? Well, first... I was hoping that it meant I got to be the guy who held the slow stop sign out on the street because every time I see that guy, I wish I could I could do his job just for you know a summer. <laughs> um, I mean, the guy he, all he got to do talk about brain farts. I mean, this is a job where you 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 are very tempted to have brain farts, but brain farts could lead to people dying, head-on collisions. You know, you if you it's either slow or stop, and you better know which one it is. But it wasn't an outside job. I, didn't, I never wore an orange vest. I never wore a hard hat. Uh, it was an office job. It was a desk job in a cubicle. And what the pavement management division was responsible for was determining which sections of road throughout the state needed maintenance. Of course. It's basically just determining priority of, of, of roads, right? And so there's a few things that contributed to, to priority how many people travel on this road, how bad the conditions are. Really, that's the main two things, right? How bad is it and how uh, important is the road? So I don't know why this wasn't something that, I mean, I'm sure today this is the kind of thing that they just have the map of all of North Carolina in a computer. <laughs> you think? But in uh, 1998, I'm sure it was not a computer somewhere, but I never saw the computer. All I saw were these huge three-foot-by-four-foot maps of the entire state. Now, I'm not kidding. Three feet by four feet. This is a large map that barely fits onto a desk. Yeah. And it was a map that had been printed on somewhere, but then what we were supposed to do is we were getting... Updates to, to, there would be red lines on the maps of like new roads that had come in. Like, like printed red lines? Yeah, no, somebody had drawn like these new roads in. And I don't know if these were then going to be incorporated into like the new, somewhere on a computer it was being done, it was being updated. Like somebody hand drew? Somebody had come in and said, like, okay, here's a new road that's been plotted or built. And, uh, and then, of course, there would be all the other roads. And then our job was just to go to intersections and circle them and then number them, call them nodes. So the way that you reference any section of road in North Carolina is you say it is node 4483 to 4482. That's a section of road. And so that's classified uh, as a section of road, and then it's prioritized. So if you missed one,
1: did you have to go back and erase all the nodes and then renumber them, 4483,
0: 4484? 4, 4, it was so... It was so, first of all, it was the most boring thing. It was worse than Wickman. man. It, it was worse than wicking the, the air fresheners. And there were 13 of us doing it.
1: All on one map?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. So I, I do think that a few of the people in our division were doing some other things, but most of us. Circling intersections and writing a number beside Yeah, and let me tell you. story. First of all, I worked there for three summers. And I probably got through four maps. You're kidding me. And you know what I was doing the rest of the time? Talking. Just, just, just in the, the breeze? Yes. Just sitting there talking to these other guy, other people who were college students. Were and, they cool people? Yeah. That's not a bad job then. No. Y- uh, I, it doesn't sound like a job at all. I made some good friends. It sounds like you were on a Break, but it just—I was—I was struck. You know, I, I ever since this job, I've had kind of an informed opinion when I hear that. Uh, not to get political, but when I hear that the government is attacking a problem or is trying to work on a problem, mm-hmm. I always think. Uh was it like the Department of Transportation? Because I worked there and it was the most inefficient operation I've ever been involved with.
1: I mean what didn't you have your supervisor was like, Hey, circle some nodes, yo. The
0: supervisor would sleep. Really? Under her desk. I'm not kidding. Really? I don't know how often this happened, but there was a rumor going around, and it had been confirmed by several of the people that I worked with, that occasionally the, her door would close, and there would be like, So we, you we, never saw her? When we, 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 but I knew her well enough to know that this is, was not unexpected behavior. Apparently, that when their door was closed, and it was quiet in there, and the light was off, it meant that she was sleeping under the desk. They said one time we went in there and she like were, she like, was hiding. No, she's just sleeping. Uh, she's laying down on the floor. I mean, she's in a kind of a small office, and you can kind of kind of get under the desk there and and sleep. <laughs> so, so this is this is. There was a pervasive attitude,
1: kind of from the top down, of a lackadaisical. Let's make this a break area.
0: And, and no one ever really came to check and see what we were doing. It was Wasn't kinda... there a
1: really pretty girl that worked there? I remember that's all you told me about was there was like a hot girl circling nodes. Uh,
0: hmm. You don't remember Yeah, I'm that? sure, yeah. I mean, there was a couple of girls that I was, you know, I like to talk to. I like to bring my map over next to their map. <laughs> <laughs> How, hey, baby, I... <laughs> how's that node circling <laughs> going? Um, but yeah, it was... It, it was just I, I was amazed and I, I, and I'll say this too I'm probably I'm probably getting people into trouble but this has been all, this has been 15 years ago so it's probably all different people another thing that happened was water under the bridge to use a civil engineering knowledge. another thing that happened was is they said uh, okay we have this fleet of cars Crown victorious by the way of one of my favorite uh, vehicles of all time. And, uh, you know, your typical government issue car, that it's a lot of cop cars, but it's also just a lot of government cars. You'll see in North Carolina, you see these Navy Crown Victoria uh, cars with yellow tags. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, that's like the government issue car. Well, our division had a fleet of cars. And then what they were used for is they would send people out to different uh, places, different intersections, and you no, t- you'd count traffic. That's how you, that, you, now that, sounds that like fun. that's a piece of data that goes into the system that lets us know what road needs to be worked on. Because if you're like, okay, this certain section from node X to node Y. Okay, you're losing me. Did you ride in the Cr- Crown Victoria? I'm just saying, you, people go out and count traffic with little clickers. Did you do that? No, I did not count traffic. But what they said is, in order to justify us keeping a certain number of Crown Vicks or Ford F-150 pickup trucks in our fleet. We have to log a certain number of miles on oh, no. the vehicles. Please. And so they were like, go out and drive around the belt line. Really? So I would get- Just a rack just to miles, put miles on the on odometer. It. So I would just go out, I would take the Ford F-150 or the Crown Vic along with another guy, and we would just drive around the belt line around Raleigh. Just- <laughs> Yeah, again, just like shooting it, the breeze. Like it was a NASCAR race. Yeah. Really, yeah, just driving
1: i mean it's not it's not a bad job that's a that's a pretty good job professional i was a professional driver for the d o t your tax dollars at work I was on an odometer spinner what what's the job that you told me that i forgot about um chicken houses well i'm not i didn't work in the chicken houses i worked ar- like uncle Johnny had some chicken houses and I worked around there oh but here's here's what it was, but you told me about the chicken pit. Oh yeah, they had. a... I mean, I was around them, but the tobacco fields were around there. Oh, that was a that and was and cousin Keith okay. was there, and he was you know he he liked to be mean to the chickens. That's as far as I'm going to go. Okay, he thought it was funny, but it was cruel, and it was. I'd rather not bring it up or continue to talk about it. <laughs> but there there was one summer when I didn't work for my family, and I worked for Will Thomas's family. Oh yeah, and they had a lot of pig houses. What oh. are they called? Pig farm, and it was these big long you know, uh, barns full of pigs. And what I had heard uh, was, I knew I was assigned to work with him because Will was gone that summer. So Will's like, hey, can you do my job with my family and make some scratch? And so first day I went and met his, his, uh, actually his uncle's name was Keith, (laughs) different guy, (laughs) Uh, pig farmer. And I I had heard that, you know, they, they uh they make the pigs they well they don't make the pigs they inseminate the pigs yeah, you okay have,
0: you for some reason you have to do it for them
1: yeah yeah you have to like you have to take matters into your own hands literally
0: so to speak
1: um and i was that's all i was thinking about was okay if i work in this pig farm am i going to have to do this <laughs> this is going to i can't do this I'm how am out. i how am i going to tell wills uncle keith that I'm just, I just can't, I cannot do this. I can't, I can't be here for this. (laughs) And I get up there and I I, I meet him that, I meet him that day and big strapping man, big beard. And he, he comes out front and he meets him, really nice guy. He's like, Link, thank you for taking Will's position here this summer while he's away. Um, But I got to break it to you. Uh, We don't need you here at the pig farm. And my heart like leaps for joy. He's like, I need you to go with my brother um to um to secure lands for so that the ATVs don't get on the Carolina Power and Light property. So for the for the rest of the summer, I rode around and we would drive for like four hours and I would just fall asleep in the passenger seat and we get out. Extended brain fart. With yeah, with this this cable, cabling that was about two inches in diameter, and we would Cut it with torches. Wrap it around trees where people were taking four wheelers into the woods on the private land in order to keep the ATVs and the four wheelers out of
0: uh, private property. Exciting stuff. It was. It was. Uh. It was riveting. Did you ever run into a four? Uh, you know, somebody on a four wheeler who wanted in? No, we we didn't have any
1: um uh, altercations, but we had to go down one time and clean up all this trash off of the land, and someone had dumped literally about over time, about 400 old televisions on this private private property. I mean, back out there in, you know, in the, in the sticks, people would just make any old piece of land a landfill. Oh yeah. And CPO wanted to clean it up. And the, the, the glass on the front of these televisions can get as much as an like half inch thick or more. Mm-hmm. And but then they would dump them out and so it would be this shattered glass that would be thick and I had to pick it all up using like trash picker uppers and uh, just with my hands. Cut my hands a lot, right? On that <laughs> one. But that that was not a good job either.
0: Oh, but you, I, you didn't, but there's no like epic, uh, I went to the emergency room, I lost a finger.
1: No, I as you can see, I still have all my fingers, but I didn't have to mate Pigs artificially. So well, you
0: know, a- anything's better but than you, that. You, you know what happened there. He, you were originally slated to be the 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 man, the and man handler. But he saw it in my <laughs> eyes. He saw it in your eyes. He was like, I can't put this kid. I can't this. Do it oh, to I'm going to put him out on the trail. <laughs> um, you know, uh, there is one other job that is the only job that I can think of on all of our summer jobs that we actually did together. You think about the grock? Yeah.
1: Now, th- I so this was probably our first job ever because this is this, basically before we got summer jobs in the summer. We were on opposite ends of Bowie's Creek. We would ride our bikes to the middle of town in Campbell University in the middle of Bowie's Creek. And there was a little um, grocery store called The Grock on yeah. the edge of town. It's not there anymore. It's, it's been, been torn, torn down. down. But that was kind of our halfway point, roughly our meeting spot when riding our bikes to meet up. We'd meet there, we'd play. Pinball. There was a Gilligan's Island pinball machine there, mm-hmm. and then we would we'd go on our summer escapades out around Bowie's Creek for the rest of the day. But we got to know the guy,
0: and he was a he was a very creepy, creepy dude. We ran the grok. We ran yeah. the groc back then. Uh, probably he's probably forty years old. And he's like, hey boys, you want a job? Well, he looked like a, a character off of The Simpsons. You know, he had he's he kind of swarthy. Yeah, like a pirate. And uh, and he actually, did, he sounded like he wasn't from around there. Oh, he's like this. Was he like this? No, was, was he like this? Li- it was a little bit like this. It was like I'm not from around here. I'm from The Simpsons. Hey boys, show. would you like to? Would you like to make some scratch? It was Krusty the Clown. No, and uh, he did say, "Hey guys, um, I'll." Uh, I'll pay you to sort baseball cards, and I do think this is pre H and H. I think this is the, this is the first job ever, uh, but this was there's no contract, and it was probably a violation of child labor laws because we were probably twelve, thirteen years old. Baseball it, cards were
1: a big deal. He would they were on display out there, and people, all the, I guess like. Grade school and high school kids would come in for like different camps at Campbell and they would come over and buy baseball cards. But in order to know if you had a whole set, you had to you had to order them by number to be able to sell a complete set. And that's what he said. Well, do you want to order baseball cards? Literally just take piles of baseball cards and order them by number up until, I mean, a set could have 150 cards and then you would start over and build a new set so he could sell it. He's like, I'll give you a dollar an hour.
0: A dollar an hour each. It wasn't fifty cents each. It was a an dollar. And hour we said each. yes. We
1: did it. We like never told our parents that we like had, that's what we were doing. And he put us in the back room. He said just go back here and we like he would throw all these baseball cards. It was like it was like child labor type scenario, yeah, man. It, it was, it,
0: we totally illegal. I mean, honestly. Spread all these baseball cards out of pool I think table. About it, now that I think about it, we we could have been in danger. And you know, we, we didn't no adults knew where we were. We were just like this guy that we buy clearly Canadian from and play the pinball machine in this little weird grocery store. has got us in the back room sorting Shit. baseball cards. I mean, it,
1: it, we weren't. Nothing ever happened. There. No, and he, and he never came back there. I mean, there were some some uh, magazines stuffed in the in the pool table that gave us quite an education on the uh, human anatomy. Yeah, that but, uh,
0: seriously expanded uh, our perspective.
1: But other than that, I mean, it was, hey, I, I,
0: give me my dollar or my five dollars. And we only, we only did that for, a, for I'd say, a couple of weeks or so. But, you know, that's the only time we ever worked together until we reunited. <laughs> yeah, and that was
1: our first entre- The entrepreneurial spirit. The seed was, was planted at that yeah, point. We
0: could have become expert baseball cards. Uh, I was going to say smugglers, but sorters. Uh, but we moved on to other things.
1: Now, I, I should say that my dominant summer job, uh, I I have to tell this one, you know, just okay, because yeah. this is the one I did the most. My dad, he did work um, on the tobacco farm that one, that one summer, but um, for most of his life, even, even now, he is a house painter and uh, carpenter and tile artiste kind of a guy. He's got uh, multiple employees working for him now, but for many summers... I was expected to be his right hand man, so I was always painting with my dad and it was always very frustrating because my dad would do this thing to where he wouldn't um he would give directives like a mime like he, it's like he would be telling me to do something and then all of a sudden all the words would get jumbled up and you'd just be like and then he would it, would, it wouldn't be English, and he would start pointing and gesturing and expecting me to understand. I want you to take this specific color, mix it with this specific color, um, go up this ladder and only paint the front of the trim. Like he would communicate all of that
0: with just hand signals. With hand signals. And grunts.
1: And grunts, just because. And I don't know why. And I don't think he real, realized it was happening. It, was, it, was, it seemed very obvious to him what he was communicating. And I would. It was oh, just really? Very frustrating. Oh, uh, okay. And. And so what has happened is I
0: now do this, right? All the time. (laughs) Not all the time. No, I would say that it is not, it is not uncommon, especially, especially if there's something uh, physical, like we're moving something or building something. And there's like some sort of tension, and, and yeah, and and you're just like, and you do you do the same thing. It's mind blowing. Yeah, and M- it's extremely frustrating like for the mumbling, grunting, and moving of hands, and then extreme frustration when I, I, I or anybody else who's in the room doesn't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, hold on, you haven't said anything. <laughs> but mentally, uh, hand wise, you, inher- you, you, you inherited that.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it, and I don't think I learned it. I do think it is a genetic thing. Uh, at a certain stress a level. is probably
0: certain correct.
1: Stress level, but the you know the funny thing I worked for him for all those summers and it, it was fine except for the pointing you know, and we you know I would eventually figure it out and I would do the right thing, but when I was in let's see after I was married there was a, there was like this career transition thing happening there was this one summer where for a few months I wasn't working as an engineer and eventually they hired me back as a contractor kind of to like uh, bridge the gap between my like career transition. But there was a point there where I I called up my dad and I was like, dad, I, I just don't have anything to do. Can I, can I come back and help you? And I wasn't, I wasn't a high school student. I wasn't a college student. I was a grown man with a wife and like, I just left an engineering job and I'm back working with my dad, uh, painting houses. And he was, he was doing some more intricate tile work then. So he would teach me how to do the tile work. So I would go outside and cut the tiles to fit. And of course he would tell me how to cut the tiles using only hand gestures. <laughs> and it, I mean, he's not a mute. I mean, he can speak just like me, just like normal. But whenever it gets really frustrating, it has to go to the hand signals. And I remember this one time, you know, um, being a, a full adult things got really frustrating. I would, I went in the house and I took him the the, the, the tile and, and he's like, no, 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 you got it. I really need this corner cut off. And, and then the pointing happens. And then so I go back out and I take a little bit more off and then I go back in there and it's still not right. And by this time I've cut too much off. I got to start over. I go back out for a third time and then I go back in there and I don't remember what he said the third time. It wasn't a hand signal, but there was something that was said. And then I just, I had had it. Like, I could not get this piece of tile cut how he wanted it. No amount of hand signals or words could help me understand what I needed to do. And I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was like the, it was kind of harsh. And I I backed away slowly, basically ran outside, and I was going to cut the tile again, and I started crying. Ah. My dad. I was a full grown adult.
0: Oh, man.
1: Married. Made you cry. And I, I was so frustrated that I was like crying in the front yard of this house in Lillington. Did you tell him? Um, I don't remember exactly what happened. Uh, we did talk about it afterward, but it was that awkward moment of like, I'm so upset I'm crying, and then I'm so embarrassed I'm crying, and then boy, this is funny. And I was kind of laughing at myself. And then you know we we stopped for a break and like we're eating our oatmeal cookies and you know drinking our Mountain Dew like we like like we always it's do like painters do like painters do, and uh, we did have a conversation about it and cleared the air and it was it was a good experience. Like, and, Dad, uh,
0: I, I need you to use your words. It's like well that's what we used to say to. <laughs> to... We say that to my children now. Use your words. It was just so frustrating in that particular moment,
1: and I don't. Th- and I think I'm certain that I contributed to the frustration. Probably deserved most well, it two of it. signal
0: talkers talk, trying to trying to communicate <laughs> with each other. That's probably what you don't realize is that you were also you were like three three minutes into a signal only conversation. There's not a whole lot that can be communicated unless you actually know American Sign Language or any other sign language. Yeah, okay. so
1: I mean, that's uh, that's the last time I've. That's the last time I've cried <laughs> no, it's not.
0: I don't believe that
1: <laughs> um that's that, So that's my defining summer job moment. Yeah, and now well, you
0: can finish what your application that you were teasing to Well, I was going to say, you know um you're doing this job if i could go if i if I could go back and talk to myself, I would do anything differently. I think I probably would have like stood up and questioned a few things in the DOT. <laughs> that, that's uh-huh. that's one thing I, I might go back and do and be like, oh, should we be driving the cars around the Beltline? Uh, and maybe we should be working more efficiently. Um, but you're doing something like folding a rope and making a wick or standing there waiting for tobacco to be shipped to China or whatever is going to happen <laughs> with it. Uh, or or cleaning up hot dog chunks. I would just say, if there's any way at all possible that you can just be engaged. You know, I think the story here is that neither one of, we were just kind of along for the ride, right? It was just like a brain fart waiting to happen. So you're like holding the brain fart? A daydream waiting to happen. One of the things I'm trying to teach my kids now is just, I just remember how like, Not present, I was. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I was just kind of always off somewhere and just didn't care about much stuff. And maybe it's just, I think it's just something you have to kind of come into. But I'm just trying to, I'm trying to somehow, in part, just be in the moment, you know? Like if you have an opportunity to do something, just do it and do it right and do it well and take some pride in it because. You don't wanna get sent home from the boardwalk, you know? You don't want Jerry Hartman to come in there and uh, question how many wicks you've been through. Or you don't wanna be brought to tears as a 22-year-old by your father. Right, and if your cousin (laughs) Keith challenges you to a race, don't hesitate, run the race. And when he falls down on his face after taking one step, don't turn around. Keep going. Keep going. Keep running, run to the run to Daddy's house, and then, be the
1: first one back for lunch. And then, then point and laugh at him. <laughs>
0: I didn't say that. Like
1: kick dirt in his face.
0: Well, if some dirt accidentally gets on his face as you're running, uh, like Carl Lewis to Daddy's house, so be it. I don't really know what my application is, but it's just, you know, and, you know. And if an older, swarthy gentleman asks you to sort baseball cards for a dollar an hour in the back room of a creepy grocery store, say no. Or just at least, at least say, well, $1.50. And don't look at the magazines that are stuffed into the pool table pockets. Stay away from those.
1: hmm No good can come from that. Okay. But a lot of good came from this Ear Biscuit. I feel like I've reconnected with my youth
0: and with my summertime, summertime, some, some, summertime feelings. I'm uh, thinking about getting a summer job on the side now, now that we've talked about this. Let's do it, man. I'll, uh, I'll sort some cu- baseball cards. If I had to go back and do one, one of those jobs, I'd build another house. I'd like to go back and do that again. I'd get the closet right this time. Thanks for hanging out with us in this Ear
1: Biscuit. Leave us a review on the iTunes. That's helpful. Also, hashtag Ear Biscuits us. And let us know what you think about this particular episode. Uh, Tweet at us. Listen to you next week. Or you to us. You, You know what I'm trying to say.